A podcast network. Um, welcome to Mormon and the Meth Head. Roadside assistance. Holy fuck. That was frustrating. I've been having a lot of these experiences where it's like, it's a test. It's a test from the universe to see if I can keep my shit together. And I was already feeling anxious. We pulled up here to interview uh, Paul Paul Gilmartin. We're at Paul Gilmartin's home. And then I went to turn my car around and I was already like sitting in the car waiting for Aaron to arrive and was like, we're just going to calm down. Wow, it's, not gonna to, ruin, it's not going to ruin the day. No, not like I was stuck out there waiting for you. I mean, I know, while I was, I was waiting. Sorry. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to calm down. And then I went to turn my car around and popped my tire on a curb and then was like, okay, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to freak out. I'm fine. It's fine. I'll fix it. It'll be fine. And then I pull up into the driveway and my tire is fucked up, like done, right? That tire is done. I don't think that can be fixed. No, no, I, no. Like punctures get fixed, but that's like a tear in the side of the tire. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so that's hundreds of dollars. Uh, tire needs to be fixed, and I was like, not going to pay attention to that either. I'm going to call roadside assistance. My only reason for calling roadside assistance was to save us time, so we could just start the podcast and not have to worry about fixing the tire. They'll come and fix the tire. Called roadside assistance, got the worst connection in the history of phone calls. Okay. Two cans and a string would have been more effective and had a long lag. The guy wouldn't hang up and call me back. He also, uh, after I- I'm waiting. I'm going to be him. I'm yeah, going to be okay. him. Okay, okay go. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, hello? How can I help you? Now, I'll say hi, and Aaron, you do an impression of when it was that he would hear me say hi on that okay. connection. Okay. Uh, how can I help you? Hello. Hello. Uh, hello. I'm going to have to put you on hold for a second. Wait. Uh, uh, okay, ma'am. Uh, uh, who are you? Jessa Reed. Jessa Reed. Can you... Can, can can you spell that for me? J E S S A R E E D. J E S S A R E E D. That's D R E E K J E W Z. Jessa Reed. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessa Reed are friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Mormon and the meth head, Mormon and the meth head, Mormon and the meth Jessa Reed! It went like this for a while. A long time. And I was like, can you just 45 call me? 45 minutes. <laughs> 45 minutes. I was like, can you just call me back? And he was just like, I'm sorry about the connection. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> me too. Just let's get a new connection. And he would say. No, the connection's, I'm okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. We're almost done here. So what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> he kept going back. He would like every, then the details that he wanted about the car, which he was like, he was like, he was like, now what tire is it? Who cares? Send the truck, send the guy. He'll find out like, and where, like, is it right yeah. side, left driver's side? What is the side? color yeah. of your car? It's, it's a small color? SUV. And then you, he asked where it was and you gave, you gave Paul's address. And then uh, he was like, okay. Uh, so is it on the street? And you were like, no, it's in the driveway. And he was like, okay, so it's in the parking lot. <laughs> that's yeah. when that's he when said, it became funny. Yeah, that's and when we, I couldn't talk anymore because he'd already asked me the color of the car, the year of the car three times. Uh, he like I got him the policy number. Yes. Then he needed my name again. Then he needed the address. Then I said it's in a driveway. And then I was like, but it's not my driveway. He said, okay. Then it's in a parking lot. <laughs> like the only options on earth are my driveway and the grocery store. It, it, he, he had a hesitancy 
to everything that he confirmed or asked like he was about to snip the wire on a bomb. Yeah, because uh, he didn't he have like brand a... brand new. He was very nervous. He had no yes. idea. He was like, well, so so. Uh, do you need 911 assistance? <laughs> you're like, what? So when you're interviewing him, you're like, oh, this guy stutters. He's very nervous around people. Let's put him in the public sector. I don't think he he... It didn't feel like he like had a stutter. It yes. felt like he w- like thought I was mad at him or something. Right. And I was mostly, I was holding it together. I thought pretty good towards the end. Yes. But then at the end, he was like, "Okay, seventy eight dollars." And I was like, "What? I have insurance. I'm ca- this is the insurance number I just called." And then he put me on hold to approve it. And, he was like, and hold then on, hung you up. You do have insurance? And we're like, that's what the, all the questions have been about the man. policy number that you got from me. And then he put me on hold, and then it hung up on me after being on hold for five minutes. And then he called me back, and I was like, fuck it. I'll just do it myself. And then he goes, sorry about the hold. And then immediately put, put me you on hold. hold. That, was, that was maybe my favorite moment. <laughs> do you know how hard it is, though, to do customer service while you're playing Minecraft <laughs> and high? <laughs> I had... Uh, I got a flat tire in Koreatown a week ago, and I had the opposite experience. I had such a good experience with my man Ruben uh, Castillo Tire that I left a Google review. Wow! That I was like five stars wow. to Castillo Tire. Ruben himself, I would do. I was like, if you ever need a kidney transplant, you hit me up. You let me know. He wow. treated me like a king, and he fixed my tire so fast, and he was so friendly. And you, like, yeah, you guys going to keep in touch? I th- I hope so. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty tight bond yeah he let me keep the thing that he pulled out of my tire i was like i need that i want that it's pretty anyway sorry they can't all be rubens yeah well at least mine was uh expensive it was interesting (laughs) watch too mine was 15 dollars. mine will be at least 200 your dejection when your tire was hissing uh, you were deflating you as your tire was <laughs> deflating. Just just as and it was a slow burn, and you just got deeper and deeper and darker until it became ridiculous. And then your mood lightened. It's, yeah. I love when that turns around, when things get so shitty that you have to laugh. It was really interesting because I was so anxious. I was so anxious, and I was nervous because I knew Aaron was going to get here, and it was like... uh uh, we are strangely tuned into each other's feelings, and I'm like, he's gonna walk in. He's like, oh, cool. We got, we got uh, anxious as fuck, Jessa. And so I was like trying to calm myself down, and like, I just deal with these things that I'm anxious about later. And there was something that happened when I hit the tire that it did feel kind of like a pressure valve, but that also I think that when you're in certain states. When I'm like anxious like that, I try to just hide in my room so that I don't create a bunch of shit for myself. Because this is what happens when I get like this. And so it just kind of... tires and stuff? Yeah. Like shit will just fall apart if I'm not hiding out. And so I just felt like, okay, well, I'm out of my house while anxious. And if I don't stop, it will just only get worse. And that's really what that conversation is. I really have to work hard to let go of the steering wheel when I'm like this because it will just only get worse. And I don't want to burn your house down. If you didn't care about hurting people's feelings what would you have said to that guy i just i hate it when people yell at customer service Me people too. i hate right. it when people like this dude is just like you know it's not his fault i mean like but, in this particular circumstance what did your id or your ego want to yell at this guy um i don't know i uh oh my god i had about a hundred things yeah. you tell us then paul what were you gonna yell what is your fucking problem my God, are, are you even paying attention? Who trained you? How the fuck did you get this job? <laughs> Why are you going so slow? Is your computer working? What Are you high? What the fuck? That, I felt, those yeah. were all the things I yeah. wanted. To, I would never say. Because I, I know that they've usually got a hundred different things going on, things that we can't see and understand. And he was certainly nice enough, just incredibly slow and incompetent. I feel like he, he felt very anxious to me. It all yes. felt like extreme anxiety. He felt very new. And the the connection was a huge part of the problem. Yes. And so he would have been frustrating to deal with. It was funny because right before he got on the phone, I was like, I don't, it's hard for me to move slow. I get very, fr- like, I want, just want to do everything fast. Mm-hmm. And so anything that slows me down, I tend to rage against. And so when I have to deal with someone who talks slow or move slow, or things are, ta- like, we can't consolidate them into something that's efficient, 
I get very frustrated, but I could just, I already know what this is right here. This is the energy where I end up hitting every single red light and every single thing yep. stands in my way until I change my vibration. So I kind of saw it for what it was and I don't want to ride some unsavory timeline from here on out. So yeah. I actually feel a lot better now than I did when I pulled up. Weirdly. Good. That's awesome. I'm sure I'll be frustrated. Cut to again us a few changing the I'm, tire. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to dress. I can't wait. Well, well, I'm a, I already changed one tire this week, so I'm a pro at it. Do you remember the time that we uh, changed my tire under the stars in New Mexico? Yeah. That's why I was asking about your jack situation because I didn't want a repeat of that. There went to, we had in New Mexico at, in the dark, uh, we got a flat tire the first time we ever took a road trip together. And uh, we were, I'm like, all right. Just hop out and well, I know how to change a tire. We can do this. And her car's jack was like a mystery escape room. <laughs> like you had the trunk. Like before you can get to the jack, there's four steps that you have to take in order to find where the jack is. Then there's pieces of the jack that are like <laughs> bolted, screwed into the framework of the car. That you have, you have to unlock pieces to use that. To, as a tool to <laughs> unlock the other, like everything had an, an extra step to it. You're like, you're like, okay, you're going to need to get the key. All right. The key <laughs> is in a crocodile's mouth <laughs> at the bottom of the river. And you're like, what? Well, I was also, this is the drive from Delaware to California. So we also had to move half of my house out of the car before oh, we could even begin. True. And then it was the thing where you had to like, uh, like, um, Pulley down the tire was, you uh -huh. know, like but suspended from the bottom of the car. Yeah, the tire's underneath the car and has like a cable to it. And yeah. you have to uh, like crank out the cable to lower down the car. But like to get the crank, you also have to like unbolt the crank from something. And it's uh, that's all, you know, smaller car designs. You guys aren't old enough to remember cars in the 70s, but it, it would be like a full size spare. You yeah. Yeah. Under the ashtray, right? Yeah. Right there in the in the front. Just put your feet up on it. it yeah. yeah it, things I have do changed. miss I do miss the full tie uh the full size spare. That car had the option one. of drive flat tires, which mm. I really wanted. My dream is to have a I don't the, the kind of flat tires I get though would not it wouldn't fix it. it I always get these giant ruin the tire flat tires. It just occurred to me that you guys might have wanted to do an intro with just the two of you and I have no, just no. jumped no, no, in. No, 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 no. no. Yes. This we is what we do, do right? Yeah. Uh, you're listening to Mormon and the Method. That's what we do. That's what That's we it. do. We do okay. these like 20 minutes and then we do the intro. And then you do a bunch of morning zoo noises, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, 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 welcome back. All right. Is my dog bothering you? No. no. Speaking of mental health, what did we want to get into first? There was a conversation I really wanted to have with Paul. Have it. Sure. Um, I, many of our fans are fans of you as well, and they know yeah. that you have a uh, mental health-focused podcast. For those, for anyone that doesn't, do you want to yeah, Which plug your podcast? Majority and, of the world, the yeah. Mental Illness Happy Hour. Mental Illness Happy Hour. Uh, it's a great have, podcast. Both yeah. Jess and I have been on it. You guys were great guests, really, Thank truly. You. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. We've done a Patreon episode with Paul before. Uh, if you guys find that on our on our Patreon. That was one of our first Patreon interviews. Mm -hmm. um, so there were a couple conversations from that that we wanted to finish a year later. But um, I had a conversation with you recently about Soberish. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we were both kind of in a similar energy at that moment, which is the... The mental health cost of having a mental health podcast. Yeah. Um, something that we noticed about six months in when our podcast really kind of took the turn towards mostly mental health stuff is that we would fight on Sundays. We would get in some type of uh, argument, a little, little bickering thing. And one of us would be triggered. And then what we picked up on is that whoever was editing that week's podcast would end up kind of triggered, you know, because yeah. our, our podcast is primarily us trudging our uh, trauma Skeletons, up. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then going through it. And then that's already hard. We already have a hard time during um, the weekends where we're getting together to record. It's already heavy and difficult, you know. But I'm really good at like, I go into podcasting mode and I just switch it on and off. 
And uh, when I when we wrap up an episode, I usually forget about it. But then if I have to edit it and yep. I have to listen to it, painstakingly listen to it, because you know you have to cut things in and out. You have to like hear the same words repeated over and over again and face but, your self hatred. Uh huh. Yep. You sp- and like you and then you're I'm much more conscious of the fact that people are going to listen to this when me and jess are alone in a room i shut everybody out we just talk have a conversation you know uh or i try to it's easier than when i'm like sitting it's this is going out tomorrow what are people going to comment what are people going to think who's going to listen to it and uh yeah and i listen to all the the dumb stuff i'm saying i start to think why'd you say that and oh you get very triggered and that's and so that's what we would then bicker we would start bickering because uh one of us was in that space yeah i have a much better memory so we recorded uh about this sort of thing things that i can feel weird about um we recorded like four episodes yesterday and for the last 24 hours just things keep popping up in my head that's like you're gonna need to cut that out oh remember when you said that people are gonna Mm -hmm. take that wrong you're gonna need to cut that out god i can't believe you said that what were you thinking saying this what kind of fucking weird mood were you in yesterday and that is my podcast process when i do other people's podcasts the crushing weight of how much i said on that podcast just like i carry that until the podcast drops i'm like this is going to be the one this is going to be the one that gets me uh like kicked out of society or i don't know what i think is gonna happen burn her (laughs) but you talk to other people about their trauma which Mm -hmm. has to be its own yeah it can be uh and not every guest uh, is in that category sometimes it will be a mental health professional uh, an author um, but generally, yeah, three quarters to, you know, nine tenths of the guests are, have some heavy shit that they're unloading generally not for the first time, but it, it, you never know where it's going to go. A lot of times I'll record people I've never met before. And so the producer in me, when I'm doing the podcast is thinking, uh, oh, pick up the pace that story's gone on too long. Can yeah. we do it this way? And and it's usually me over worrying about something. Yeah. Um, but there was a the the first. Uh, let's see, I've been doing the podcast. It's in the ninth season, and I'd say the first seven seasons, there really was very little feelings of uh, outside of perfectionism, feelings of dread of sitting down and either editing or recording people, but. It's interesting, as I become mentally healthier, maybe I become more sensitive because the weight and the gravity of some of the things I read and hear doing the podcast, uh, just I can feel it kind of kill my energy and me start to occasionally have dread around doing the podcast that that week. And people used to ask me all the time, doesn't it weigh on you doing such a heavy podcast? And I would say, no, it actually energizes me. And now I'm beginning to see what they realize. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe like before you were already kind of existing in this heavy energy and and you were resonating with it. And now Mm -hmm. as you heal, that's really interesting that it's like you can feel it bringing you down. Yes. I was uh, processing a lot of shit. And so it felt very communal. And I would say often I get as much from the podcast as anybody that that listens to it, that just the feeling of community and purpose and and claiming my story and working through all of the awkwardness uh, of healing. You know, I don't know about you guys, but healing is so ungraceful. Yeah. (laughs) Well said. Yeah. 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 Um, What are some things, have you, uh, in your own mental health journey, have you, do you feel like you learned things? I feel like I did your podcast and then found out I had PTSD from your podcast, mm-hmm. like so many parts of my childhood and stuff that I just kind of stored in this. Oh, it's fine. You know, like mm-hmm. emotional things I had processed in the mental space. And your podcast was the first time that I really kind of like brought it all out, you know? Yeah. And, and, and your story is heavy. I mean, it, it's so on the PTSD <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't, I don't think I knew that. I think you put PTSD in the title, and I was like, PTSD? I didn't go to war. Wait, wait, so when you say you learned it from his podcast, I thought you meant like a different episode about PTSD, (laughs) but like your own episode. Yeah. You saw the title, and you're like, what? 
I thought this was going to be called Just a Read Funny Stories. Yeah. No, I, di- I didn't. PTSD that was the first time I ever considered it. I remember telling you my story. I remember because a lot of that stuff, this was the first podcast I brought those stories out. Mm. And then. Um, and I, I'm not a mental health professional and. Uh, you know, I, I hope I wasn't out of line by assigning a title no, to it. No, 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 no. It was... This um, bitch has PTSD. No, I definitely have PTSD. <laughs> it has been a lot of putting pieces together and realizing I have a lot of things, but I also have this, like, survivor uh, personality that just, like, takes hits and then keeps going, and I I fancied that as, like, strength or whatever, but it was actually just me, like carrying a bigger and bigger and bigger bag of shit with me. And um, it wasn't like, I I just kept having to like compartmentalize and put things away. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, I had unhealthy people in my life. I still have unhealthy people in my life. Like I'm allowing things to happen that shouldn't be happening because I can't, because I have to be so turned off to the reality of my life because I haven't dealt with any of it. You know, I feel like I've dealt with it, but um have you had experiences like that through the history of this oh podcast God, where like yeah. you find yourself in it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it would surprise me. I would start a podcast talking to somebody about something, generally a mental health professional, and I would ask an innocuous question. And suddenly, you know, I would realize the weight of something and, you know, maybe have a follow-up question and they would share something about it. And I all these emotions would come up, but it was, it was rarely a light switch flips on. I have total clarity. Let's go to the next step of processing. It was more of a questioning what I had previously thought that, oh, I put that to bed. I'm aware of it. I've processed it. Most of it was I'd never given weight. There weren't many new memories, but it was giving weight to old memories and feeling them. Yeah. And, and processing that, not to blame anybody or throw them under the bus, but to rid myself of the grief, the, you know, all those other things. That's something I've been thinking a lot about lately is, um, I do tarot readings now for a Mm -hmm. living and an energy that comes up. And when I talk about processing emotional things through the mental space is something that we do, I think to minimize our own trauma is we say like, oh, my parents weren't that bad or other people had it worse than me or whatever. And it's like, we don't, we feel like we can't say, hey, here's a wound that's real and valid without saying our parents are bad. Right. And so then we end up with these wounds here. And it's like, you know, uh, my dad loved me. He's a great guy. So I can't explore the fact that his inability to express that love damaged me. Right. Right. And so that was a lot of like where things were hidden for me was mm-hmm. I villainized one parent and kept the other one on a pedestal. Yeah. When in reality, both were neither. Right. And both, it doesn't matter. It doesn't like who they, right. I don't need to confront them. I don't, that's all mental space shit. But right. I do have to deal with the fact that at some point, a very young version of me got it in her head that nobody wanted me. And then everything after that has just been a culmination of me figuring out how to survive by taking up as little space as possible or way too much space that I, uh, believed myself to be very confident. And what I was actually confident in is that I had, that I had developed an avatar that was likable enough and, but also had enough walls that like, I would only care what a small number of people thought because I would just shut everything else out. And then, but then that avatar could never stop. There was just an exhaustion to, I could never, ever, ever stop proving myself, making myself, you know, and that all comes from a parent that loved me, but you know, I, and now I feel like I'm watching this happen to my kids, you know, I'm watching their wounds be created and, uh, Something I said in an episode once that our whole life, like, the best thing you can do as a parent is teach your kids tools for how to get out of the maze that you are also creating for them. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I love that. Wow. I feel like I keep talking, but then I keep waiting for you guys to talk. I think you got a lot of, you got a lot of energy though. Yeah. That's all. That's All all. So Paul, what do you do about being sucked back down? Like, you know, if the, if the podcast episodes are recording them are getting you down, what do you do? Uh, 
really try to concentrate on the things that bring me pleasure, uh, playing guitar, playing hockey, woodworking. I take naps when I'm tired because a lot Hell of times yeah. <laughs> the dread will just present itself as exhaustion. It, it won't be, um, it'll be numbness and exhaustion. And then I find myself pulling away, find myself pulling away from my girlfriend. But going th- through therapy as well, I find out that there are other things that are stressing me out in in my life. And it's hard to know sometimes what is it. So I, I try to find ways to address it. I solicited the help of somebody who has been kind enough to edit a lot of the uh, episodes. Oh, nice. And that's been you really, really great. That. No, Um I, the ones that, because that would defeat the purpose, sitting right. down and, and listening to what he has edited would, I might as well do it myself. Right. No, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Into, you yeah, don't right. have to. So there's still just the stress of feeling like this is going to be the worst episode ever and anybody that enjoyed the show is going to leave and <laughs> I will be uh, destitute. Right. Um, are you an introvert? Yes, I yes. do. I, I, I definitely think I have social anxiety. There are instances where I can feel like I can come out of my shell around friends where there's no limit to the darkness of sense of humor. Right. That can be energizing for me. Sitting and have a, con- a conversation with somebody about stuff that's deep w- where I suppose in a non-humor way, there's no lid on what can be talked about. I can find that energizing, but things below that, small talk, exhaust the fuck out of me parties exhaust the fuck out of me um sometimes even being at my support group meetings after an hour and a half 10 minutes of chatting afterwards i'm just like i need to be alone yeah i've been thinking a lot about introversion and um the connection to social anxiety and the thing that you said about falling asleep Mm -hmm. um i was thinking about how um, I'm also codependent though, which is a little bit of a contradiction, but I was thinking about how, uh, I would sleep all the time. Like how I would fall asleep during times where you would let me hold you in a, in one space for a long period of time. Like when we would be together a lot and then, uh, I would just fall asleep. And that was interesting that you said that I was mm-hmm. like, was I actually tired or does like other mental health stuff present itself as needing to go to sleep? I I think the crushing weight of feeling any responsibility towards another human being, them having needs and the fear of not being able to meet them or disappoint them, that to me, I think really fuels my dread. I have a great relationship with my girlfriend, but there are times when I am mind reading and completely missing you know, where the truth might be of something. Yeah. And then I put this weight on myself thinking, oh, uh, you know, I'm a bad boyfriend. I'm going to disappoint her, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then I find myself sleeping a lot and pulling away from her. And then she senses that. And then we wind up having a conversation and reconnecting and kind of readjusting. And that deepens actually our, our relationship. Nice. Yeah, but I it's like taken that. a lot of work to get there a lot of fucking work not necessarily with her just in my life learning how to go okay instead of going to play a video game or sleeping for 16 hours what am i feeling who am i going to share it with because i there's an anxiety to not being sure what it is that i'm feeling and what's going on and that i'm wasting my time or i'll be heading down the wrong direction by misnaming what it is that I'm feeling. And so I'd rather uh-huh. just not deal with it if I can't do it perfectly. Yeah. Fuck. I absolutely relate to the sleeping. I take uh, naps to get away from stuff uh, all the time. Like if there's if there's something coming up that I need to do, I'll just think about it. Like I'll get nothing else done. I won't work on that, but I also won't get anything else done. Because I'll just be thinking about this thing until I just go to sleep. And I'll be like, you know what? I'll go to sleep. Sometimes I'll take a a nap, like just having a bad day. Because it it feels good to uh, start over again. Mm -hmm. Where I'm like, all right, listen, maybe the next time I wake up, it won't be as bad. You know, I can just turn this brain off for a little bit, reset and come back and maybe everything will be fine. And maybe it is just that I'm tired, whatever. And, but I'll, I'll, I'll see these 
phases or cycles where I like I, I don't know I got to a point where I stopped napping and it had been like after my divorce I was napping just constantly I think it started before then but it was just like I took w- at least one nap every day at least one <laughs> and some days you get two it's mm-hmm. amazing it's cool like, wow uh, how great it is to be unemployed uh, <laughs> but then you know years down the road one day it just like stopped and just stop I was like oh I don't f- I don't feel as good taking a nap every day. Like I, I actually feel better staying awake, getting some stuff done, feeling like, oh, I was productive today. Oh, like then there was, I had a crazy phase not that long ago where I was like going to sleep early and waking up early. I was like, what? Oh, wow. So jealous. Wow. So jealous. Didn't last forever, uh, but it was there for a little while and it felt, it did feel cool. It's different going outside while like the sun is out. Like yeah. being outside instead of staying in my apartment all the time, it got me energized in a different way. Now that I'm kind of out of that, um, you know, that three year super depression that I was in, I am noticing more the differences. Like when I do get tired, I can tell. Like this is a day that I'm more depressed or anxious. And on the days where I'm having fun and good, I notice like yeah, I'm not tired at all anymore. Do you ever get exhausted by the possibilities of a wide open schedule on a given day? Oh, Oh, Paul, Paul, I, Paul, I, (laughs) I wrote a poem about this. (laughs) Did you? So I'm not the only one. No, I got, um, it's something I think about all the time. And one day I did synthetic mushrooms mm-hmm. and I had this epiphany and I said it out loud over and over and over again so that I wouldn't forget it. Let's see if I haven't. This is the poem. Uh, I know it. Too much. You weirdo. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> too much aloneness is too much canvas. I won't know what to do with it. And it stares at me. Or and it will stare at me. I had this vision of like my day of just like uh, having this giant white canvas looming over top of me. And it was just like too much space that I didn't know what, like, well, what should I do with it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick pressure, the wrong color. <laughs> the pressure of what should I do with this canvas w- w- was like staring at me, it's just th- looming over top of me. Do you think that's perfectionism? Uh, uh, Fear of failure? What? What? Uh, what do you that think it is? I, I, I do. I'm so fine with so many things not being perfect. I don't know if that if I have a fear of perf- or if I have you know perfectionism or anything. Um, but I, I, it's like it's. I'm very bad at making decisions, especially ones that are meaningless. Like the easiest ones, like should be quick, but I, I think about them too much. And so, like, I have a day to myself, let's say, and what can I do with it? I'm like, well, I could see a movie. Do I want to see a movie? I don't know. Do I want to spend that much money to go see Hustlers? You know, like, do I want to? Do if I should I maybe just do something outside or? uh, And then I'm like, I, I think about that. And time just passes. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I'm like, oh, well, now I feel like I'd be rushing out the door to go to that movie. So I don't I really don't want to spend that much money and then like miss part of Hustlers. Like I don't I don't want to miss it. Uh, so I guess I I won't do that. Well, then what should I do instead? Oh, well, let's just start thinking about, I don't know, some, like another uh, another movie to go. Huh, maybe. uh should I text some friends? And then I'm opening my phone looking at friends and I'm getting anxious thinking about like uh, texting these people and then more time passes. And I haven't left my room yet. And I had this whole day that I thought I was excited about, excited to do anything that I wanted today is up to me. And when it's up to me, I'm ended up just like in my room for nine hours. Yeah. Uh, I haven't gone out to get anything to eat because I can't decide. The anxiety seems almost contagious or like it builds like it snowballs. 
and then I'm not making any decisions. And I'm like, do I should I order food? I don't feel like going out, but oh, the money that I would spend to get it here, I should just go out and get it. Uh, but I kind of want to walk somewhere, but do like where? Uh, I don't want fast food. Like, and I just then I I eat nothing. I get nothing done. I go nowhere, and I just uh, spend all day in that space. And you lay your head down on your pillow at night and go, well, I blew it again. By the end of the day, I feel like I've uh, all like I've come around. You know, I'll have like a very good um, eight to midnight. Yeah. <laughs> like eight to midnight, I I'm like usually okay, and I go to sleep all right. Well, what's nice about that window, and, and that that's my favorite time, is you know once it's dark outside, the pressure, the possibilities are so limited that I blow it less. <laughs> I can't go to the bank. I can't. <laughs> do this i can't do that so are you just an by, earth sign uh I, i'm capricorn capricorn yeah huh. what's up? yeah, yeah. It's me the too, analysis man. paralysis uh sign yeah mm-hmm. yeah what's your birth date uh january 9th nice 1856 damn i take good yeah. care of myself <laughs> so good Did I ever tell you about my experience in the civil war <laughs> you haven't have you ever done past life regression paul seems uh, like something i you have might not do. i oh. have not uh, we were just talking. We had a, uh, another guest on recently, and we, and we were talking about. She's like done lots of past life regression mm-hmm. stuff. So, have you ever read somebody's things and just gone, "Oh, you were a douche. You were just a, <laughs> an eighteen fifties douche." Um, no, I did have somebody who accidentally killed their soulmate, like trying to figure out, uh, like what their current dynamic with their soulmate is and in, I, in I, a past life no in their current life and then what I was like, was oh. so, what in their current life they killed their soulmate no in their okay. current life they had all this They're weird anxiety between them I you know, a lot of times when you have someone in your life and you trigger each other on like a deep level that's not proportionate mm-hmm. it's probably because there's some karma there not karma mm-hmm. like you know you're you in trouble up. You but like coming. karma like you know Residual unhealed stuff. wounds yeah and mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, you accidentally killed her. And so that's the, the guilt. Literally the killed her? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was like an accident, like a car accident. I gotcha. Of the, uh, the equivalent. But I don't think I have a hard time with decisions. Mine's kind of the opposite to where if you see me when I'm flailing, because my solution to things is usually to just to scrap it and start over. Like, like I'll make a huge pivot. If I don't like the, if I feel stuck or I feel like I'm looping on something, I'll do a huge pivot. And you can kind of see if I get, if I'm flailing, like I'm free falling, you'll see me pivot back to back to back. And I have to like stop myself from making gigantic like in the summer i had a rough summer a lot of emotional clearing and a lot of loss and everything else and then i caught myself in a minute where i i'll get addicted to cut like cutting people out and cutting things out and throwing the furniture away and throwing everything away like i'll just and i'll pivot i'm like i'm gonna be a car salesman i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do that like i'll make huge changes until i feel like i've stuck on something and um, I was doing that this summer, and it was like, just sit still for a second and get your shit together. And you know that, that that's one of the hallmarks of being raised by a narcissist is black and white thinking. Really? Yep. Yeah. Mm. And addiction. But yeah, there's a great article by a guy, and difficulty making decisions is one of the hallmarks of depression. And I'm not like pathologizing, saying that's what you have, but th- yeah. these are just... Um, Things no that are things. that that are are possible, but there's a, a guy named Dr. Alan Rappaport, and he wrote an article called "Co Narcissism." It's about five pages long, and it's about uh, being raised by a narcissist and the effects that it has on us. And it, it's just fascinating. When I read it, I was like, "Oh my God, that's my life." We've been talking about narcissists nonstop uh, for the last several months. I think I feel like most of the summer. Yeah, I yeah. think like the first time we started talking about it uh, was like in May after that show, that one show in Washington. And then, you know, we also call them energy vampires sometimes, mm-hmm. like just more a more general term. But like uh, then I read this book about psychopaths. This Psychopath summer. Next Door? No, it's called oh. Psychopath Free. It's about yeah. like being in a relationship with uh, someone who was maybe narcissistic or, mm-hmm. or bo- borderline or something. They just kind of put this... Uh, we both uh, kind of realized that we came out of relationships with abusive people mm-hmm. and um, 
And so we've been talking about uh, narcissist stuff a lot. Uh, is that something that you talk about a lot on your podcast? I just interviewed a woman yesterday who uh, is a PhD at UCLA, and she wrote a book on how to know if you're dating a narcissist. You should have her on your uh, show if is you're, it if you're psychopath interested. Psychopath wow. next door. Um, no, but oh. she talks about the difference between psychopathy and narcissism. Ah. A, narcissi- a psychopath doesn't really care what other people think of them, whereas a narcissist, it means everything to them. Narcissists can occasionally have empathy, and psychopaths do not have the capacity for empathy. Interesting. Those are the, the two of the biggest differences. I'm sure she listed more, but I wasn't really paying attention. What was her name? I was thinking about myself. <laughs> uh, what is her name? Yeah. Uh, I... It's an Indian name, and I don't want to butcher it. Okay. Um, And I originally pronounced it wrong, and so now I just don't want to pronounce it wrong. (laughs) Her last name is Dravasala. Okay. Yes. I've been thinking a lot about um, the effect of emotionally withholding parents, not necessarily narcissists, not necessarily parents with, you know, uh, pathological issues, but mm. just parents who aren't capable of showing you love and affection in the way that you need it, and how that then sets you up mm. to to be attracted to partners who are narcissists. And, and by narcissists, and, I mean catch all of abusive right. like people, because there is something where uh, I have a hard time recognizing love, like true love and affection. I'm looking for rejection. I'm looking for um, pain, you know, and I don't, I don't think my mom was a narcissist, but like she didn't, I got kind of lost in the, the mix with my dad, I think. And then my mom just definitely, there were things that did permanent damage, like mocking me when I did show feelings, you know? And you, I, you think that's damaging? Yeah, I think maybe a little bit. So now I have this, the second I say anything even slightly vulnerable, I clench up. I clench up and I wait and I watch for the mockery. And then I see it where it isn't, you know? And I've learned a lot about mirroring, the importance of mirroring your children's feelings back to them because everything you don't mirror back to them. So when a child is like, crying about something and you say that's no reason to cry you're being dramatic or or whatever or i'll give you something to cry about yeah you're you're you are telling them that their feelings aren't real and then that becomes their shadow like they put that away and i've just thought so much about how and they don't gain a sense of self right no idea invisible no idea that they have feeling like i didn't know i had feelings i really honestly believed i was this cold detached person and then I look at the only time I've ever felt safe in a relationship was, was with somebody who was awful to me. Like I look back. Cause at it the, felt familiar. I didn't know he was awful. Like I had to be far on the other side of it. And but, that's probably familiar. <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm saying. It was familiar. He rejected any attempt to show feelings. Like anytime yeah. I, I did show vulnerability, he responded with contempt and that felt familiar. I can't think of a time, not one time in my childhood, every memory of being sick was alone in a room. Yeah. And that's at both houses. If you know, I got first... sick, I never got held. Nobody ever cooked me food. I got left alone in a room because wow. you'll make your siblings sick, which I get. I have right. multiple kids. But like, um, no, I never nurtured in ever by anybody. And um, Is that on your Bumble profile? Yes, <laughs> looking for someone to yes. mock me while I cry. And, and first anniversary is paper. Second anniversary is contempt. Yeah, <laughs> I got that every year. <laughs> Self discovery is such a weird, so weird thing. I right now I feel like who the fuck am I? Besides maybe a fraud, you know, because everything that I thought I knew who I was. I heard somewhere that caterpillars melt in the chrysalis and then a butterfly is formed out of the goo, which can't possibly be true. But I think it's such a perfect 
metaphor for this process where mm-hmm. it's like, I'm just shattered in a million pieces right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this is going to be when I put all the pieces back together, but I know that I'm none of the things that I thought I was a year ago. And I think of all these things where it's like, am I tired? Was I tired or was, was being tired? Like my brain, like, okay, you're having an emotional reaction. We're going to shut, shut you down. down. Right I now think because so. I'm not an emotional person. And so I don't know how to be, uh, vulnerable. I don't know how to be in a loving. There was just a weird thing that used to happen when whenever we would hang out with my kids, I would fall asleep. I'm at a mm. restaurant and I'm falling asleep, and I'm not a tired person. I'm yeah. go 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 go. And uh, it was just a strange thing that I'm like, why am I fall? Why do I fall asleep every time? something seems happy and you know mm-hmm. like elicits feelings of like comfort or whatever why am i passing out right now what is this anxiety about what is this feeling in my chest about like all of these things that like i don't know how long i have felt all these things because i didn't associate with feelings mm-hmm. because nobody mirrored them back to me and so yeah it's been really interesting but then it just is like never fucking ends it's like yeah, i found out i was codependent and i was like cool now i have the piece of the puzzle and it's like wait a second what does that mean about my marriage oh fuck he was abusive okay now i got all the pieces of the puzzle then i'm like no wait what does this mean so i don't think it ever ends i heard an interview with norman lear you know he was 93 and he said he still goes to therapy and he still is uncovering things about himself he's been going wow. for 50 years He's probably bad at it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I hope it ends. I worry sometimes that we are addicted to the the reenactment of the trauma. Like uh, that, you know, that I'll always find something new to work on. That there will always be something that I'm going to feel bad and sad about. I'll find some reason... Mm -hmm. To feel sad and stay in my room. That's what I'm worried about. I, I think if the pursuit is to find tools to cope with feelings, then you can avoid that pitfall. I think if it's just to give a label to what you're feeling and there's no follow-up as far as, well, how am I going to deal with this reality? How am I going to find the best tool to de- deal with social anxiety or fear of responsibility or perfectionism? Um, if there isn't that pursuit, then I think we wind up just navel-gazing and not really growing. That, that's And that's why I go to support groups and therapy because uh, I, as miserable as I can get while doing those things, if I wasn't doing those, I would be even more self-obsessed and probably never leave bed. I like that. I like that. Uh, it does feel endless right now, but I can say that last summer I was laying on my floor anxious with no idea. What linoleum? Wood? Carpet. Carpet. carpet for the, well. So you spoil yourself. Yeah. Um, linoleum in the bathroom. You're a princess. Yeah. That's what yeah. we're, that's what we're learning. Yeah. I've made it up to the bed now when I'm anxious, but now mm. I know why I'm anxious I'm able, I have figured out tools for getting out of it. I have figured out communicate like ways to communicate with people, uh, to express my needs and stuff. So I think, yeah, there is growth there for sure. Would you say that? Yeah. I, uh, why'd you roll your eyes? Oh, because I was thinking about just myself. Uh, like for, uh, I think, uh, I was kidding, by the way. I don't know. He my friend, roll his eyes. <laughs> uh, my friend last night had this. He said, "This is a cool uh, question I ask everybody." I don't think he called it cool. I'm calling it cool. But a question that I ask people after I haven't seen him for a while. He said, "Rate your last twelve months on a scale of one to ten. And it made me sit and go, "Oh!" And it was cool because I really weighed out my last year, my last twelve months. And I was like, I want to tell you that it just sucked, that it was terrible. But, like, also this happened. Like, these good things were happening in the, you know, in the first six months. And, the, the you know, it ended on a down note. But I guess we'd have to average it out at a five. And he was like, hey, man, five's not bad. Five's average. There you go. And then I thought about what would I probably have rated my, like, previous 12 and the 12 before that. And I was like, there, like, you know, you go back to 2016, I was probably at a two or three. And, uh, you know, maybe I might have had like a four or five, maybe a six or something in 2018. But like, I was like, okay, I'm trending upwards. 
that's all right. I guess that's that's okay. Uh, but I just want. I'm just scared that I'm not actually getting better, that I'm just uh, moving my attention around to different things. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, like, do I need to, like, at, at what point am I uh, just, like, dragging myself back down? Like, the way you were talking about, like, what if, um, you know, because we had said, like, you know, you've gotten to a better place, and so now the podcast feels heavier for you, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I'm trying to reference. Like, what if, uh, like, how do I know if I am still supposed to be uh, folk, like, wor- doing all this work? And, or, like, is there a point where that is unhealthy, where it's like, uh, let it go and just, uh, I don't know. Think about something else for a change. You know, right? I, what I would say, two things to, to consider are look at the amount of peace that you feel on any given day and look at the quality of human connection in your life. Those are the two barometers for me for how I'm doing because money is going to come and go. How other people act is going to come and go, but how I react to it and how I accept it and whether or not I give up on connecting with humanity to me, is the judge. When I start to pull away, I start to get cynical, I start to self-obsess, uh, I want to control things, that's when I know I'm, I'm going in a backwards direction. For me, th- those are the things that I look at. So we do have to connect with humanity? <laughs> that's the, somebody said in one of my support groups one time, the good news is there's help. The bad news, it's us. That's <laughs> yeah. all, it's all we have. Um I think I'm going to have to see Ad Astra again. I know you don't want to. Uh, is it good? I think it is good. I think it is good, and I haven't... It was it's like, one of those movies, right? Where, yeah. Where you're like, I'm not sure that was good or not. Right. There it, was definitely stuff I didn't like about it, but then we had friends on the... We saw it with, with our friends, and on the drive home from the theater, like, they explained it. I've never felt dumber for not understanding. Like, I was like, did you guys read the book before we came to the movie? How did you understand so much? Anyway, when they, they, uh, you know, he gave me his take, his interpretation on it, and I've been thinking about it ever since. And uh, it seemed like the big theme of that, the, the or maybe not the theme, but the message at the end was like, uh, you have to keep in touch with humanity. You have to uh, make these connections, mm-hmm. and uh, you can't isolate yourself from from other people. That the that those human connections are what will save us uh, from you know and, this awful existence. And I think you have to isolate yourself from certain people. You know what I mean? It's you have to let some in, and you have to keep some away. That's that's what I found. Because if I just let everybody in, then I feel overwhelmed and I have no sense of boundaries. My boundaries are their boundaries. I get codependent, uh, you know, and then I just don't want to leave the house because the world just feels like too much. But if I don't tolerate other people's shit and I'm like, I'm not returning that phone call, uh, et cetera, et cetera, then I can take the finite energy I do have and connect to people who are respectful towards me. And that's been the hardest thing to judge is who to let in and who to keep at a distance or cut out. We're both uh, thinking about that right now as well. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about obligatory connections. Get rid of a man. based in... I, so many people in readings it comes up where I'm like, I know that you think you have to have this person in your life because it's your mom, you know, or you have to have mm-hmm. this person in your life because they've been your friend for a long time. But I think from a from a woo perspective, I think that we are going into a new level of connecting and we are going to find like our tribe. And, you know, we have to let the, the karmic connections of the past go. But I feel like for me, the final boss is... Uh, the people that I have in my life because I feel obligated. I feel like I owe them something. Right. I'm laughing at my dog. Yeah. I don't know what. I closed the shutters. I don't know what the fuck she's barking at. <laughs> Amazon, maybe? Uh, maybe it's uh, roadside assistance. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're out there. That would be on the perfect tie. that they did actually send somebody. 
Oh, that would. And be... he fucked it up so bad that they pay you and change your tire. <laughs> what if he feels so bad about it? He's like, I have to make this up. I can make this right. Um. Anyway, in readings, you're saying. Oh, the, just this, this letting thing, people go. letting people go. Yeah. Like, why is this person in your life? Do they bring something to your life? Mm-hmm. Do they make your heart sing? Do they feel like home? Do they feel like... That's from Midsummer. Does feel he like feel home? like, does he feel like home to you? Wow. Is what, uh, How did I miss that line? That's a... Does that, is that something you're saying in readings? No, I mean, that's something I describe when I, when I talk about like soul tribe, when I talk about people that I feel like I have like a soul connection with, and it's like, that feels like home. And then I look at these other connections that cause me anxiety and I'm like, does this cause me anxiety because it's helping me grow or does this cause me anxiety because it's feeding off of me? Right. Cause that's really what yeah. it feels like. Like, does it feel like you're feeding off of me or cause I'm triggered by a lot right now, but I have connections in my life that I don't care about and i feel obligated Mm -hmm. i feel like they would be mad at me and that's been the biggest revelation of the last six months there have been a lot but i do a lot of things i don't want to do because i'm afraid of people being mad at me Mm. and i have a lot of people in my life that i don't want in my life because i'm afraid of them being mad at me i'm afraid of being perceived as a bad person i'm afraid of being perceived as someone that took advantage of the second i'm like i don't want this person in my life i like a list of all the nice things they ever did for me comes up and i think like oh i don't uh they're gonna throw this in my face and i don't have you know i don't Mm -hmm. have i don't have a right to say this and then but then the anxiety builds and it's just like uh you know the last time i pushed forward under the influence of this feeling i found out that that person had been abusing me for a long time and so I just like kind of have to do that and, and assume that, you know, that person will find their way and that yeah. I will uh, be able to move forward with things that I want. You know? it's, it's incredibly empowering having frank and difficult but diplomatic conversations with people yeah. that, that drain us. It's That's empowering for you. Do you want to do mine? Have, <laughs> have you done that? Did oh, yeah. It, and it, in, um, and it three, went well? Three separate occasions, I've had conversations with people where I said, uh, I'm feeling drained. I feel like an audience member because it feels like it's always about you. And uh, I don't want to feel resentful at you. And I figured you would want to know. And all three have thanked me for it. Two have never reached out to me since then. Uh, and one still calls me. And mm. so I'm, I, I felt I just, I feel a like foot I, taller after that. Wow. I'm too scared to do that. I'm like, I don't want to deal with the confrontation of it. I but don't if you want express to... it in terms of your feelings, they can't argue with that. If you say, I feel drained, they can't say, you don't feel drained. You know yeah. what I mean? If well, we they... say, you know, you're uh, uh, selfish or you're that, yeah. then then I think they're going to get defensive. But if we say, I just feel drained, I feel like an audience member, and I don't want to feel that way. So I figured, you know, you would want to know that this is how I'm feeling. And then I don't have to put any necessarily solution to it. I'll just see how they react. It's terrifying for me to do it the first time. But now I, I, I'm not as afraid to kind of speak my mind with people because, you know, life's too fucking short to just, eat shit sandwiches that I'm too scared that they will like that they're that they'd manipulate me that they are trying that they want like I I feel like okay you're a bad person uh you suck for whatever reason you know whatever it is this is general uh hypothetical but then I think I'm just gonna get away so I just want to ghost them I just want to leave I don't want to respond to their message I don't want to uh definitely don't want to have tell them face to face I also just like I I have I have things that people have said to me that have just stuck with me and haunted me, and even things that I've recognized as like, hey, that's not true. It still like hurts so much Mm -hmm. to hear it that I'm like afraid. I'm like I don't want to I don't want to tell anybody anything about themselves. Like if they're gonna keep they're gonna keep uh, living on in this uh, ignorant existence where they just suck other people's energy. 
I'm just going to remove myself from the equation. I'm never going to tell them no. Like, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm the one that's, you know, what mm-hmm. if you said, like you're saying, like, I feel this way. But like, yeah, what if it's just my feelings? What if I'm being too sensitive? And it's right. like, I don't need to bother them with my feelings. So I'm like, I'll just, I'll just leave. I'll just go. I've never yeah. like uh, con- actually confronted someone that I wanted to cut out. Because, like, if you think of nitroglycerin, nitro's not bad, glycerin's not bad, it's just together, you know, shit's combustible. So if you just speak about it in terms of, you know, what you're feeling, but it's scary. It's still scary because it's unknown. It's a script we didn't seem modeled for us as as kids. I think I typically just ghost when people feed off of me you know I typically just bail and I can usually figure out a way to do that or I take complete credit for it or I make up an excuse I think about like me trying to get out when of you my say marriage. credit for it what do you mean I'll just be like um like this is your fault yeah mm-hmm. and I do I don't think that there's necessarily a problem with that in every scenario but I think about the way that I was trying to weasel out of my marriage at the end we're now with some with some distance I'm like I should have just listed out the actual things that had taken place in the last six months and been like here's what you did wrong Mm -hmm. but instead I was like this is just everything coming in for a soft landing and we are blah blah (laughs) like I was like putting him back together you know but I can think I feel so tuned into energy vampirism right now and Mm -hmm. I like I've learned a lot about ways that I vampired Aaron, you know, I feel like, uh, the introversion thing was a a big revelation. I think I am very introverted. I think a lot of my reactions to other people are my introversion. Like I've just, I get overwhelmed really quick. I do have a very hard time with fake interactions. They're, Mm -hmm. they're hard for me to tune into it. It like, I get stage fright in situations where we're not having like a super authentic Mm -hmm. interaction. If it's someone I don't like, you know, so with the strangers or the acquaintances, it's very easy for me to be like, yeah, I just don't like other people. And then, um, you know, with Aaron and I, I wouldn't recognize very obvious signs that both of us needed. Like we'd been around each other too much. It was a unique situation where instead of, we weren't like dating, we're like, trapped in a hotel room for days on end Mm. and I was missing all of the signals of my own needing to be alone because I was triggered by him needing to be alone because my fear of abandonment would get triggered Mm. so rather than being like hey you're showing this I know the symptoms of me needing to be alone as I start checking out I start needing to be in my phone I start to get my body gets weird you know and I was missing all of that because I was focused on him doing it and he's doing something I do. Like we have very similar needs to be alone. Yeah, so like I, I, I start checking out and I get into my phone. She's like, why do you hate me? Yeah. And then why, the did I do, why are you wounds. doing this to me? And I'm like, Oh no. And then I would hurt both of us, you know, but I would, yes. I would hurt him. I vampired his energy. I took something from him. I made him feel guilty. I made him responsible for my feelings, you know? And I didn't like recognize any of that for what it was until we had been away from each other. And then someone else did it to me. And then all of a sudden, all of these things where I was like, he wasn't abandoning me. He wasn't deact. I mean, he was deactivating, but he was deactivating in a way that I deactivate. And then I'm like, how many of my parent, like how much of my anxiety that tri- like, it was like anxiety about being around someone for too much, like me needing to recharge then like, like turbocharged my fear of abandonment and then all projected onto him. And so I I think like, okay, so a ton of times where people are feeding off of me, I don't think that they're a narcissist. I don't think they are an intentional vampire. I have people in my life that I'm like, you're not abusive, right? Right. But you are not good for me. Mm -hmm. You're not good to have around me all the time because uh, I don't, I don't think most of the people in my life have the self-awareness to eventually figure out, Oh, Hey, I'm making this your problem or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think, I think if I tried to point this out and was like, okay, here's where you're putting too much pressure on me. Here's where you're making this my problem. Here's where you're doing this. I don't think that they would hear it. So I don't even want to be like, here's your problem. But I do want to be like, I don't want you in my life. I'm not, you're in my life because I feel guilty. I feel responsible for you. And I don't, I want to go do my own thing. And I'm afraid of looking like a piece of shit. I'm afraid of, you know, whatever. But like, uh, I have the right to decide what the cast of characters that I want Mm -hmm. in this movie 
And that's so, and when I say it, I can feel all the walls. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you don't. No, you don't get to decide that. You know, what about them? What yes. are they going to think? How are they going to feel? Their life's going to fall apart, you know? Right. God damn it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's not like a great wrapping up point, <laughs> but <laughs> we do have a flat tire to fix. Uh, but, uh, um. <laughs> where uh, do people find you? Yeah. Sorry. No, uh, we, I, uh, the mental illness happy hour. The website is mentalpod.com uh, and metal pod are the social media handles, Twitter, Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page, facebook.com slash mental pod. And when you talk about the support groups, is it mental pod support groups? No, or these? no, just, oh, okay. uh, you know, anonymous support groups out there. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, 12-step based kind of things. Uh, we were talking to a different podcast host that had uh, know, things built into their, like, mm-hmm. added through their podcast fans. Yeah. So we have a forum, but um, I don't think there there's enough consistent volume in there that... And it's not necessarily a place where you would go if you have a specific issue that you need weekly help for. Yeah. I do feel like your Facebook group's pretty popping, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in that. Oh, yeah. yeah I just see it in my in my feed mm-hmm. when I get on Facebook, the yeah. graveyard. Um, anyway, thanks for having us at your house, hosting us here. Thank thanks you for, for coming. Thanks for being on our podcast. And, uh Everybody should listen to uh, Mental in This Happy Hour. It's great. Nice. It's fantastic. Nine seasons of the show. Yeah. So and a lot and of your guys' episodes are stand out. I'm not just saying that because you guys are here. They're, they really are. And they got good download numbers, too. And, oh. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the listeners really liked them. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I couldn't stand them, but <laughs> <laughs> they're awesome. They're awesome. Uh, anyway thanks for being here and you guys thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time on Mormon and the Meth Head if you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together this is what they sound like Aaron Woodall and just a read our friends listen to them talking to Mike Mormon and the Meth A podcast network.